Fourth and final hour, Darren Donick and Chase on this Monday afternoon. Don't forget ESPN 94.9, Game 2. is the official English radio home of Nashville Soccer Club. Listen in tomorrow night as Nashville SC takes on Louisville City FC at First Tennessee Park. Pre-game begins at 6.45 p.m. kickoff at 7 on ESPN 94.9, Game 2. That's powered by your Middle Tennessee Toyota dealers. Plus, you can also catch baseball on 94.9, Game 2 as well. Including, uh, we got Bravos. The is Bravos that, is coming that, up. Is that next? It is. By the way, that was a good win oh. for them. I know Tehran was really excited about that Braves win yesterday. By the way, they beat Flaherty. Is <laughs> <laughs> Mike's son. Let's go, Max. <laughs> must, have, must have told Max not to turn his mic on. Or something. I would never do that to Tehran. Uh, if you knew he was going to boo the Braves, you might tell him to do that. Let's bring in TD, who is over or over here from St. Thomas Sports Park, where Mike Vrabel, we played his press conference. We heard... Cannot wait to hear what TD is. That they have to do better. Well, no blank, Beep. Sherlock. <laughs> and they've also had a chance to talk with the players, and it looked like from Twitter that Saffold seemed to be very, very popular today. Tron Davenport, NFL Nation reporter... For ESPN, for the Titans, and of course talking with TD and Chase here on Friday nights, ESPN 102.5 The Game. i got to be honest, and Chase and I gave credit to the local media. That was, um, was a little bit of a full-court press for the head hey, coach today. You got to do what you got to do, man. You know what I mean? That's, and before I, I start, man, shout out to my guy Mustafa, man. He got me here safely. Oh, yeah? It's raining out, so I, I appreciate you, man. I know you were Well, we do appreciate in. that, though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But you're right. Did you give him a good a good uh, I'm about rating? To, I'm about to hit that five star. Okay. Oh, and, fives. And drop a couple, uh, you know, extra dollars okay. on the tip side of things. That's, that's how you do. You know, you treat people well, and they treat you well. I like it. So what did you make of what you took in the last couple hours over there? I, I thought it was really interesting how Vrabel approaches the analytics side of things. And it's funny because, you know, there's a lot of millennials out there on social media that are pretty upset. And, I mean, I get it. Analytics has its part. Calvin loves analytics, as we know. This table I'm sitting at doesn't, though, right? Remember? No, no. <laughs> I beat this table up uh, when we were talking about <laughs> analytics. <laughs> I just, you, you know, I'm a firm believer so that. So that's those dents. That's where those came from. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, my bad. Um, but <laughs> I'm a firm believer that formulas and algorithms, they have a place. But I, I don't think that's the end-all, be-all in football. Right, it's just you can't measure emotions. You can't measure different things that that arise. But at the end of the day, it has its place. And Vrabel, the way he kind of handled that question, he he said that you, you know the the analytics guys that they have are maybe scouts or some you, you know front office people that they have. But it doesn't really seem like they have a dedicated on analytics guy, right. right and. I know that touched a, a sore spot mm -hmm. with, with Calvin and with a lot of the people who place so much of an emphasis on, on uh, analytics. Look, I'll say this, Ron. I'm more in the boat with you. 
uh, you know, that's where Willie and I have gotten sideways. We've had some spirited discussions over the years, and obviously Willie likes to break down. And I'm not against numbers and analytics and all that, but I do – I don't want to say it's old school because I do – I think you have to. I don't care new school, old school, middle school. You have to have an eyeball test. You have to have a feel for a game. And so I'm, I'm probably sliding over more on that side with you, although I know it's important. Like, let me give you a, a for example – Last night on the broadcast for the Chiefs and the Colts, Frank Reich is a guy who is not afraid to go for it on fourth down. That dude is not afraid. Whether it's Andrew Luck or Jacoby Brissett, Mm -hmm. fourth and one or two, you can bet the Colts are going for it. And by the way, did you see what the numbers? I, I thought that was a really interesting graphic that they put up there last night on NBC. They were giving you the breakdown. Okay, you go for it. You go for it with success, the chances of winning this game. You go for it, and you don't get it, what the chances are of winning the game. I thought that was interesting. And what did the numbers say? Kick a field goal. What are the chances of winning the game? Even with a successful made field goal right here, Mm -hmm. they actually went down rather than going for it and having success. The numbers go way up for you winning the game with a successful fourth down, go for it and get it as opposed to sending out the field goal unit and kicking it. I think what I'm getting at is I think that part is what people are asking. Like, it's very clear. It doesn't seem like whether it's going out there and kicking a field goal to extend the lead by 17 on the road or some of the other decisions we've seen under Mike Vrabel now under 21 games that he does not have someone in his ear going, coach, percentages are right here, kick the field goal, 79% 79% mm-hmm. says you win the game. Kick the field goal and you get it, right? Well, that's exactly or, you know what, what I, I mean? asked just, yeah. Right, and that's what I'm getting at. It's it's very clear that, you know, while both of us are going, a lot of it's about feel and eyeball, but you know what? You can't always make decisions on feel and eyeball because I think a lot of times his emotions and that player feel has gotten him in trouble. Yeah, I, I mean... Tron, you know this. You, why in the hell is he going up and talking to his kicker before that, that fourth try? Who cares what Santos has to say? Who cares? Well, what do you want him to say? What do you want him to say? I've seen a coach, lot of coaches. Coach, don't put me in, man. My leg's killing me. I, I don't have it today. I'm a mental mess. I've seen I've seen coaches. I, I know Peterson did that on multiple times with, with Jake Elliott. So I, I'm not going to fault him for that one. But I, I, definitely, I think you, you go for it. And I just think just the way that game was flowing, you go for it. Delaney Walker, though, he has to make that catch on third and four. I, I get that, it. They, they convert that. But uh, for me, you know, when it comes back to numbers, you know, you know, Booger McFarlane, ESPN Monday Night Football analyst, has one of the best He's a good man, ever. Just simply for his last name alone. Yeah, right. He's <laughs> first, his, his and if you're a Booger, you know, <laughs> you got to like him too. Um, his saying is numbers are like bikinis. They show a lot, but don't show everything. And I think that's very accurate. And when you're looking at all of these numbers and you're plugging in all and these Some form- show more than others. Some do show more than others. But my thing is, if you're going to factor in stuff with the passing game, I mean, there's a guy named Russell Wilson, a guy named Pat Mahomes, that they're going to make those numbers for the passing game skew higher. Like you have to take a different approach when you have those type of guys there, out there, right? Well, my thing is because the numbers would tell you Russell Wilson on Thursday night, no, do not throw that pass. 
what what I'm what I'm trying what I'm trying to say is you have guys on the high end of the spectrum, guys on the medium, and guys on the lower end of the spectrum. You have to take it for what it's worth. The guys on the higher end of the spectrum are always going to skew the numbers in the favor of how you want it to do. And my thing about numbers is you could always take it and and use it in a different angle. Like you could take one number and use it to to say two different things. That's why I don't place too much emphasis on numbers. Well, that's accounting, isn't it? You can make a ledger look however you want it to look. Yeah, yep. and, and then everybody always points to the Ravens as a team because they you know they made the analytics hires and they have new guys there at uh, at the castle, but John Harbaugh said. Most of the time, he hears all those numbers. If his gut doesn't match match the numbers, he's going to go with his gut. So, end of the day, coaches go with their gut. That's just something that they do because they believe in all the experience that they've put they've acquired over the time, whether it be playing or coaching. So, I mean, there's there's balance. The difference though. though is Harbaugh's got skins on the wall, and that's the difference. And Mike Vrabel is a first year coach ever. And he's got 21 games under his belt. Harbaugh's got a Super Bowl ring. And he's had lots of success. End of the day, I think there's too much emphasis placed on the Titans not having analytics. But at some point, you have to say that there has been very, very questionable decisions by the head coach, especially this year, especially over the last month. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it has everybody going, I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense to me. And I don't know if they necessarily have to have an analytics guy getting in his ear and saying, hey, you know, the numbers say do this as opposed to doing this. But somebody has to get in his ear and say, coach, you know, they, I, whether it's they bring in somebody or you just have an assistant that's stepping up that has his trust that is like, coach, you know, I, I don't – I mean, I think if we try this, this works a little bit better than what you're about to do. And – that just he's showing his lack of experience. That's just what I've seen with some of the fourth down calls or you know kicking when he shouldn't kick, you know, 53-yard field goal when the guy's been trash. I mean, that's just where I think he's showing signs of his inexperience. I I could reason with that. I I I mean, you could call it inexperience, you could call it using the gut too much, but it it just I I get both sides of the story, I guess. I I say it that way. I understand, you know, hindsight 2020 saying, hey, look, mm-hmm. you know, there's a X percent chance that he makes that field goal after struggling, which apparently when a kicker misses a couple field goals, his likelihood of making one in that same game decreases. I get it. But then I also get the part of, hey, look, you know, this is my guy. I'm going to trust him. And we're just going to make sure that, you know, he has this opportunity and he does what he's paid to do i mean there there are different ways you could you could split it we'll get into on the other side he was pretty adamant about and i once this is i said this earlier what do you want him to say i get it but he's very adamant about keith carter and what he's bringing to the table as his offensive line coach seems like they're going to need to be while he's acting like he's confident in santos I, i think it's very clear they need to be bringing in some new bodies so we'll get into in the offensive line and what did Saffold have to say in the locker room? So we'll get into all of that on the other side. More talking with TD here on Darren, Donick, and Chase, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Humphreys was brought in to help out, like help Marcus, especially on those third downs. What's your assessment of his contribution through uh, up to this point? Uh, it's been pretty good when we've been able to be in those third and mediums, those third and you know six or less where we can throw it to him underneath. Um, 
but you know, you know, yesterday I think it would have been better. You know, we there were some drops. You know, I guess the, the equivalent of an offensive lineman not getting their block would be the equivalent of a wide receiver dropping a football, right? I mean, that's probably a fair assessment. Um, so we we have to do uh, better in that regard um, to to continue to help the entire passing offense. So what do you make, uh, what's your assessment of how he answered your question? I did a little dancing. Mm, little? Don't you know, worry. Don't worry about a thing. I think really, I would like to see a more direct answer about where he feels Humphreys has fit in. Because that's more or less what I was trying to get. Because I have a post coming out tomorrow addressing the free agents, and I was trying to get his perspective I had a really good conversation with Adam Humphreys in the locker room. We talked about, you know, where he feels he is and if anything is different from what he was presented to him and things like that. And that's definitely going to be in the post. I I just – I would rather just sometimes if a guy's not – and I don't think Humphreys isn't playing well. I'm not saying that. But I think sometimes if a guy isn't playing well, look, man, he has to do. Right. That's that's how I feel. And I get it. You want to try. And I think that's a part of the balance that that Coach Rabel is trying to find as far as like how to correctly get through to different guys. Right. Because some guys, I don't think that they're able to respond from that direct criticism very well. Others, you do that the Bill Parcells way. And next thing you know, you know, she, Terry Glenn, turns into a 90 reception receiver as a rookie. So there's just different ways that you have to go about uh, approaching different players. But I just want to, I want to see more direct talk. Yeah. Cause quite honestly, and I brought this up earlier, it's starting to feel a little bit like Groundhog's Day with <laughs> Mike Vrabel saying, we have to do better. I have to coach better. We have to do better. It's like, well, I, I you know, that's typically how it works, especially when you're up and down and, you're talking about a loss or thing, you know, a bad loss in this case. I don't know, a bad loss. It's just the way the whole game played out. Like Buffalo, there was nothing special about them. Their defense we knew was really good, but it was an it was an ugly game, which we expected. It didn't even thirteen twelve. Didn't even get to the, last year's total, which was amazing. Right. Um, but at some point, I feel like you know we have to do better. We have to coach better. It's like I have to be better. It's like okay, we. We keep hearing that, but at some point, you you know, people need results. Those are words. What did you make of his assessment of his offensive line coach, Keith Carter? You know what? I don't have an issue with that. I don't have an issue with Keith Carter, to be honest with you, and Coach Soley as well, his assistant. And I'm going to tell you why I don't have an issue with that. Because I have seen directly them working with players on various things, and I've seen those things specifically transfer over to the field. Now, not everything is transferring over, but I'm not going to say that's on 100% on Keith Carter or Coach Sully. And Vrabel basically pointed to that. He said at a certain point, you have to execute. And it's not like these guys aren't being shown who to block. And, And as he said, there are times you have to win, and that's the great thing about football and that's why it's considered such a, uh, a, a uh, 
I don't want to say manly sport, but such a mano imano type sport because that's literally what it is. It's you against me, and I'll be daggone if you're going to beat me. That's the mindset that you have. And unfortunately for the Titans, and especially for Mr. Mariota, there are too many guys up front who are getting beat, and that's impacting the the success of the whole offense. So I I think Vrabel was right in that assessment. Well, you have to be careful then, because then you have to start. Then somebody has to take the blame, right? When you so somebody has to be there has to be fault somewhere. Maybe the answer is all all the above. It's it's a little bit of everybody, but it's you know at some point you're talking about your boss, the guy who hired you, the general manager, because if the offensive line isn't getting done individually. Well, you just gave Ben Jones a big con an extension going into this season, right? You drafted a kid out of Charlotte in the third round. You identified supposedly the best guard out on the free agent market and paid him big bucks to come in here. It didn't look great with him before Taylor won, and it didn't look great yesterday with Taylor won. Your left tackle was a first round pick. Your right dra- tackle was right a first tackle. round pick. I mean, there's talent okay, on, the, so, on the roster. You know, somebody. Okay, who is? I mean, well, here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. Roger Saffold, to his credit, and I went up to Roger afterwards, and I, I said, my my brother, I respect you so much because he stood up there and he accepted the blame. He said that it's his responsibility to get better. He's not sure exactly what it is. He said they have to work better as a team. He said there's communication. He said, but at the end of the day, it's execution. Echoed what Coach Vrabel said. Now, Saffo didn't watch Vrabel's press conference. So executing is is the problem with the, the, the guys up front. And I will say this. I watched one of the uh, – it was the Monday after the Jaguars game. The whole individual period or the whole practice that Monday was individual period. I said, forget about, you know, I, I love watching the receivers. I like going and watch the mayor of Murfreesboro. Uh, I'm not watching none of them. I'm staying with the offensive line. Stay with the line the whole time. And I watched Coach Carter. I watched Coach Soley work with them. And I, I watched them work on because a lot of, the, like some of the guys were getting beat right off the snap. And I watched the coaches show them, okay, this is how you recover. Reset your hands. You sink like this. And you just kind of like drop your anchor and you don't let the guy get past you. Lo and behold, in his first game against a very good defensive tackle named Grady Jarrett, Mm -hmm. Nate Davis did that multiple times. So the coaching transferred from that week's of work, week of work to the game. So I I think the coaching is there. The players have to execute. Why did it? Why did some of these players, who by the way, these guys we're talking about, and throw Dennis Kelly in there? They've been here for a good while, so they were. He- so Russ Grimm, why did it look better with Russ Grimm, and why did they grade out so high? And everybody was praising the offensive line with Ru- with Russ Grimm, but yet here we are talking about some of the same players. And some this, of some, but yeah, uh, Luan was here. Conklin was here. A healthy Conklin. Correct. A healthy Kelly. Conklin. A healthy Dennis and Kelly. confident Conklin. Yep. Was Kelly, Jones, Kelly, Jones, Kelly Jones. wasn't a starter on that line, Jones, right? Jones? Kelly? No, Kelly he, wasn't a starter on that he line. Was, no, right? but he no. was a plug-and-play guy. I mean, they okay. needed him. And so, I mean, guys and, were getting hurt. And what happened? They plugged him and played him in four games. And I think yeah, and look, Kelly I, did decent. I thought he did fine. I thought he did fine filling in for Lawan. So, I'm not really – 
I don't put blame. I, I think just to Darren's point, we're just trying to figure out, okay, then where where is the misstep? What's what is wrong with this offensive line if the talent is there and there's you know, you have some guys that are playing better than others, okay, fine, but Frankly, I, it's a mix of things. It's it's a mix of things. There are situations where receivers aren't getting open. There are situations where they're open and Mariota doesn't see them. Then there are other situations where because I tell you what, it started in week in the third week of the preseason against the the Steelers. It it really showed there this team struggles with stunts. It's not a coincidence coincidence that every week you see teams utilizing stunts mm-hmm. against the Titans. Why? Because they see that this offensive line, uh, specific. Well, I'm not going to say specifically the interior, because you're seeing them, uh, uh, the DTs, the D tackles, slanting and, and and playing games there, and then you see a, a, a defensive end slash uh, D tackle exchange as well. But the point is, teams know that this team is struggling with that, so they're going to continue to roll that out there now what can stop that what I mean is it is it communication you, you know is, is there a code word that they have to be able to relate to each other to know okay look we're gonna bump hits I'm gonna fan out I'm gonna take him you take him is it just repping it out who knows but that's the problem there are different things that are contributing to it and we always point to the offensive line which I will say for yesterday and Jacksonville that was on the line but then there's also games where it's on the quarterback I would say yep. Indianapolis it was on the quarterback but then you look at week three it was scheme quick passing game three step and throw and it looked good so it's just a lot of factors and, and it's tough to just say okay this is the one thing because if it was if you could just say all right that's the thing I would assume that Mike Vrabel and that the, yeah. the coaching staff will fix it. Yeah. All right. We'll come back more with Teron Davenport on the other side. Darren Donick and Chase, ESPN, one zero two five. The game. NTD this hour. Teron Davenport, NFL Nation reporter, Titans, ESPN, ESPN dot com. All right. So TD, I want to ask you about about this because we were talking about what's wrong in the offensive line, and then you know receivers. When I watch the defense for the Titans, I see one collective unit. I, I see a secondary that's on on par with the linebackers and the defensive front line. Like It just seems like they're all clicking as one unit. When I watch the offense, I see three different units. I see an offensive line, I see skill players, and then I see the quarterback. And I, I just feel like there's a misstep, a misfire somewhere in that engine. And it goes back to our original question of, you know, well, then what is it? And it's easy for me to go, well, it starts with the quarterback. It, I mean, he's the most important player on the team. He's, I said, one-dimensional. He's he's a one-read guy, I think it's safe to say. So is it all starting with Marcus, or where would you diagnose this, this issue that has this offensive engine having a misfire? Because it's like three different parts. Yeah, I don't I, – I think it's, it is – I mean – you can't just point to one thing. I really don't think there's one specific thing because – well, yeah, let me say this. Let, let, let me say this. You look at the Seahawks, right, and the years that they've been successful. There's no slight on Marcus Mariota. However, Russell Wilson was consistently able to rise above the muck. 
Mm-hmm. It's no coincidence that he signed one of the highest paid contracts in the history of football. I mean, let's be real. Russell Wilson had a fripping former basketball player blocking for him, right? And how long did he go without really having a true top-level receiver? These are all things that we've said, okay, you know, this is an issue. Most of his that time has, in Seattle. Right. And then my guy, Angry Doug Baldwin, came about. And now you look at Tyler Lockett, little Tyler's out there doing his thing. However, for a good period of time, he just was like, okay, you know what? We're going to rise above it all. Now, granted, having that defense, you know, on the other side, keeping everything close definitely helped. But there's no doubt about their their success. Russell Wilson has a lot to do with it. I think Marcus is – I still think Marcus is a good quarterback, frankly. I don't think he's a great quarterback, but I think he's a good quarterback. But unfortunately – for this team, he's not that guy to elevate everyone else and and just hey look. What, what quarterback? What good quarterback? Not great. Does do that? I think that's a part of what makes a quarterback. Well, that's great. what I'm saying, right? Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you're, it's hard because Russell Wilson's elite. Like Mahomes is elite. Rodgers and Brady are elite. Breeze is elite. So if you're not elite, give me the, give us an example of a quarterback that does rise above. And elevate, you know, it's it's well, you, harder. You, you look at Cam, his I'd MVP right year. Now, Cam okay. Newton, his MVP yeah, year. Right. I mean, that's what I'm saying. So there's Jericho Cotri is your number one receiver. Everything has <laughs> to come to get. I'd say Jared Goff last year. Right now, he's not elite. Jared Goff. Oh no, no. But see, so Jared Goff last year gets him to the Super Bowl. Well, Mitch come Trubisky on now. is not come elite. Come on now, come on now, come on. Let's not act like Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup for half a year, Robert Woods, Todd Gurley, for Todd Gurley. Gerald Everett, like these are really good players. That yeah. defense, is <laughs> you know what good I mean. In the defense, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put Jared Goff in the great status. No, he's not. And I'm not gonna say he led them too. I mean, I Jared Goff is the classic example. That's what of, I'm getting. I'm making a case for. It. I think he's good. I don't think he's great. Right, Pat, right. Patty okay. Mahomes, I he's I'd say he's great. Who? Yeah. Pat Mahomes. Oh, yeah, I think of course he's, he's yeah, great. Without he's, a doubt, no one's gonna argue that. I'm saying, you know who else is is great. And nobody wants to give him credit for it. Whoa! Well, hold on. Let's let's think about. It. Let's, I just want to look at your facial expression. Who could? I think no okay. one else thinks he's great, but Teron thinks he's great. I'm not going to say no one else. A lot of people just overlook him. Uh, I think you're going. Are you going in the Titans division? I certainly Deshaun am. Watson. Deshaun Watson. Yeah, that dude is awesome. He's no. He's. You're right. It, it, it's hard because he gets hit so much. He's hit, their offensive line has been a wreck. So you're right. Most people don't put him in the great category, but I'm with you. I think if you're if you're pressing me, I think he's much closer to great than a lot of other quarterbacks we would name. And so golf back to Trubisky, the, those guys. Right, he's way he's above I'm them. I'm gonna say this: Carson Wentz too. He yeah. Carson Wentz. No, I'm I, I'm I'd saying take, this. I take Watson over Wentz. Me too. Yeah, for sure. Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Dak Prescott, Mariota. These are all guys that I feel are very talented. They're very they're good quarterbacks. However, you have to have the situation right around them. If it's not right around Those are good them, good examples. Yep, you're going to have. And and Trubisky is an example of an average quarterback that has to have everything right around him. And even when it is right around yeah. him, it still isn't isn't a true winning formula. So for me, it, it, to answer your question, Chase, from 
two days ago because <laughs> we kind of got off <laughs> going around on a world. tangent. But to answer your question, I think they need that guy that could single-handedly elevate everything else above the, the rubbish that, that is going on. But those guys are few and far between, and that's the issue. Let me ask you this question that I asked Chase earlier. Who would you take moving forward, Jacoby Brissett or Mariota? Ooh, that's a tough question. Well, that's um, why I asked it. Say what you want, man. I'm rolling with Marcus still. I'm ro- I'm mm-hmm. I'm still rolling with Marcus. And and trust me, before this season started, I was having a lot of conversations about uh, Jacoby Brissett and saying that he he's a good quarterback. But I'm I'm rolling with Marcus still. I am still going Why? to do that. Why? Because I'm elaborated with his ability to make things happen on extend plays. I love the way when you get him to see it and believe it and let that thing go, there are some really good throws. Corey Davis, 23-yard touchdown against the Falcons. Uh, Darius Jennings, the the post against the, the Cowboys. Those are just a few. Uh, Corey Davis – the, the game-winning touchdown against the Eagles. When when he's on point, that dude is a really, really good quarterback. But the whole thing with him is, is just what you finding – When – the key word, right. when. And that's what I'm saying. The whole thing with him is finding a way to keep him on point. And unfortunately, you know, neither he nor Brissett are those guys that you can say, okay, I don't care what's out there. They're going to get it done. It, you can't say that. If Marcus – okay, two-part question – who would you guys say has the best offensive line in the league? Is off the top, the best the offensive line there. in the league. Colts. I think Indy's up there. Um, you know what they got going on in uh, Green Bay is pretty yeah. good. So if you had one of those units in front of Marcus, what does it look like? I think Marcus is a better player. I think he's a much better player. It but goes, I, I, I think not only with that, you, you have to factor in. The play calling in Indy too, because okay. you you saw what happened last night. Yeah, they had a lead. Frank hey, Reich, you man. know what we're gonna do? We're gonna put our shoes together. We are going to go shoe to shoe and proceed to march the ball down the field by doing what? The analytics guys no. are gonna hate it. The millennials <laughs> are gonna hate it. But it's the the fundamental part of football, and that's overpowering someone in the running game. See, this is where I – Return of the Mac. Going back to what we were talking about earlier, this is kind of where I'm like, man, if I'm being honest, just my opinion, Frank Reich and Mike Vrabel. Yeah. Does it look Does it look the same? I think it looks different. I think it looks a lot and, different. Oh, you're talking about it, it, you switch them? Yeah. I'm saying as head coaches, right? Well, well and Frank Reich is – also, I mean, it's his offense too. But well, no, I'm just saying when you look at them in this mm-hmm. position in their first jobs at the same time frame, what, second year, what does it look like? Does it look the same? Well, obviously, you know the Colts are in a better situation. Um, they are, but they I mean, are, they've lost luck, and they've nothing against Jacoby Brissett. Marlon Mack is hurt. Hilton's been hurt. Mack was balling last night. Yeah, yeah. but they, he's been banged up most of the year. Actually, since the Titans game, he's and, been banged and Wilkins up. Wilkins too. Will, Hilton's yeah. been banged up. I'm just saying, does it look the same? Well, I mean, let's talk about it. Last year, they had to play each other to to go to the playoffs. Yep. That guy Delaney Walker was hurt. Yep. Mariota was out for a good amount of time, and they were stuck with who? Blaine, Blaine Gabbert. Gabbert. Yep. 
You know, so I, I, I'm not going to – I one thing I want to make sure that we don't do is dismiss the job that Vrabel did last year. We can't do that, and I, I'm not ready to write him off and, 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 and push oh, him I'm out. Not, of, I'm not saying know. that. I'm just I'm, – I'm simply making an observation. Do you think it looks the same? And I, I agree. I'm not – I'm not saying that. It, it's it's tough. Although this, I got to be honest, these five games this year, I mean, it, you know, especially like the last three, it's like it's like how many more times are we going to keep scratching our head with very, very, very questionable at best calls from the head coach? There are times where, and we were talking about this during the break, Teron, that you kind of wonder why they didn't give him an assistant head coach that's got experience that could be an advisor that he could lean on. Because mm-hmm. there are times where I I feel like he's going with his gut. And maybe that's not the way to go. And as you get more experience as a head coach, as you're, I mean, keep in mind, he was a coordinator for one year. Mm-hmm. He, he, he was an assistant, he was a linebacker's coach, but he was only a coordinator for one year. So you have to have experience to be able to rely on your gut, and I just don't think he has enough to be able to do that. That's why you see so many first-time head coaches have former head coaches on their you know, as a part of their assistance. You know who would be good to to bring in here, and I'm not saying because a lot of people are are on Coach Arthur Smith as well, and I think Coach Art is doing a, he, a, a solid job. He's doing all right. I'm not saying this as a shortcoming on Coach Smith, but from your perspective, a guy who's been there and done that, I think Marty Morningway would be a very good guy to bring in here because he has experience working with you know a quarterback like Mariota, but then most importantly. His offensive background is very extensive. He could be someone that Coach Art could could speak to and just kind of bounce things off of and, and have that talk because that's another thing Frank Reich and, and Doug Peterson used to do. Every mm-hmm. Saturday they would sit down and have a talk. Okay, these are the plays that I think are good. What plays do you think are good? And they'll swap them in and out. And that would happen all the way up until the morning of the game where they would do that. Having that guy that you could bounce that stuff off of would be good for Arthur Smith. But then also, Morning Wake, albeit he wasn't a successful head coach, but he's been around for a long time and he's been in that role. He's another person to kind of bounce things off of. So I think that would be a good a good thing for uh, Vrabel and, and the Titans to be able to do. All right, we'll come back and wrap up Monday's edition of Darren, Donnick, and Chase next. Talking with TD is what we've been doing this hour. I'm not going to the Y today. <laughs> Wish nope. I could, but I'm not. Oh yeah, you got to get ready. Yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna be on the shelf for a couple of days, so yep. we'll have to hold it down. No why for me this week. <laughs> so I said earlier, the two things that have been consistent this year have been the defense and Brett Kern. Those two have been like you know what you're getting week in and week out. Brett Kern for MVP. Uh, I'm telling you right Can now, he Brett- kick. Brett Kern is the, he's the best punter in the game. It's not even close. True. I'm going. I mean, there's go, some I'm good punters. Go, I know go there's some it. good punters, but I, I, yeah. yeah, he's the best punter in the game. He just is. So, how do you get the rest of it? How do you get the rest of it consistent? How do you get this offense turned around? Or is this what it's going to be? And you're just going to have to find ways to win ugly the rest of the way. I think you're going to see more ugly wins than pretty ones, yeah. but. Man, it's just finding that groove, and and it, it's it's easy to sit here and say, hey, they just have to find the groove. But I mean, wow, it's frustrating watching it and trying to analyze it and, and 
you could tell it's frustrating. Vrabel seemed very frustrated today. If it the vibe yeah. coming through from us, we weren't there like you were. Mm. It felt that way. Yeah, and it, and and it wasn't like he was frustrated with us. He's just frustrated. Like it's, I, I I almost get the feeling like he's like, man, this got this got to get right, man. I can't keep doing this. You were there. You could look him in the eye. I felt like he. He was being a professional and doing a press conference, and but he was holding back a little bit, and there was more he wanted to say. I, 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 could, I got I could, that vibe. I could agree to that. I could agree to that. And even you know, in talking to Sappho, like yeah, man, he was bothered, like really bothered. So, for all the fans out there who want to say like, hey, um, these guys don't care, they don't. No, they care, and you could tell. That that is bothering them, but as far as like what could fix it, I mean, I think the defense is straight. There's not really much that has to happen on the defense. You know, they could use a little more energy coming from the offensive side. You know, by holding their side of the equation, but I don't know, man. It, it's almost it, do they need to go more tempo to create a sense of urgency? Well, I mean, what well, Marcus is, it that, is good in that, those situations, yeah, and, and the thing is, it's not sustainable for a full game. Right. But I think they might need to go more stretches of that just to create that sense of. And they've done it; they they went to Temple, they did it yesterday. But I, I think they just have to find a way to consistently make plays, get the ball out of Marcus's hands and into AJ Brown's hands, into Corey Davis, Delaney. And and when those guys get their opportunities, they you got to cash in. My man Tajay you know, making a play on the sideline. That was a very nice – and, and you, you know, low-key, Tajay is a very good receiver, especially when it comes to making catches along the boundary. That dude right. has that ability to, you know, do that Michael Jackson smooth criminal, that lean, you yep. know what I mean, keep his toes in that, in that one spot. I think they just they just have to find a way just to marry – that quick passing game and with, and and marry that to the running game because Derrick Henry is still a factor. Um, did you guys see how he was running through? Ugh. Like it, it was Dragging like guys with him. Yo, I, watching that made me feel like remember the old Tecmo Bowl, right? <laughs> and you run the ball, you just hit the button, right, the guys slam that button, off, and that's that's how he was running. So I think if they could marry those two somehow, they'll, they'll be in good shape. And somehow, just I, I know. Penalties, you can't. You're going to talk about it, and you're going to discuss them. And Mike Vrabel's That's always going to tell thing. them, but they're they're just getting crushed with with just just the untimely penalties. I mean, That's just right out thing. of the yep. gates, you get a positive play right to start the game, negated. They lost 14 points yesterday through penalties, and then two touchdowns called by. I mean, That's what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. You know, so I, yes, that's a really good point, and, and I think you know. Staying ahead of the change, right? You know, having success on first and second down. So that way you're not in the third and long where Adam Humphreys running that seven-yard jerk route is is not really a factor because it's third and 15. You know, so that's an excellent point there. You know what they're going to do, right? We know what they're going to do. They're going to blow Denver out. We're going to sit here all week and talk about all this. They need to. And then they're going to go out to Denver and they're going to smoke the Broncos. But that's true to four, man. That's the point. That's why I'm bringing it up. That's a game they should have a blowout win. They need to. Uh, You know, a blowout win on the road in Denver. I mean, that's easier said than done. Well, I know. But they need to do What they should do, yeah. But, I mean, come on. But that's exactly what's going to happen. Because we're sitting here all week. We're going to talk about this game and you know all this up and down. They're going to go out to Denver and they're going to take care. Of, they're going to beat beat up on the Broncos. 
and then everybody will feel good again, and then, <laughs> yep. and then it'll probably be the letdown at home. What's the next one? Home game, right? Chargers, mm-hmm. yeah. Then, yep. They don't let down. That's just how it works, unfortunately. <laughs> Up and down. Teron, good stuff. Uh, anything Appreciate on tap for Friday that we need to know about, or is it all a work in progress? Oh, man, Freaky Fridays. You already know what that is, man. I it's, don't know if you guys you know, had like a special guest lined up that you're working well, on. or I'm going to have – I'll probably get Jeff Legwalt from uh, from Denver, Denver okay. ESPN NFL Nation. Darren, you know Jeff. Yeah, he's been around a long time. Yeah, mm-hmm. old, old Leggy. We'll, we'll get him He's been more. around a long time. Yeah, we'll probably go with the old school uh, – Old school music vibe for him. You know? Okay. I like it. Good stuff. Six to eight on Friday nights. Talking with TD and Chase right here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Thank you, Teron. Good to see you. And thank you to, what was your driver's name? Mustafa. Mustafa. Yeah, for like, getting like Teron Lion here King. on time. Almost man. like Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it for us. You have a great rest of your day. Look forward to talking to you tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. See you then. Call for alcohol, so finish your whiskey or beer.